0: It's time to talk Sabres hockey. Let's get the inside story. Here's Sabres head coach, Don Granato. The Don Granato show is being brought to you by Firth Jewelers. For all the moments in your life, go forth to Firth. By Losey and Ganji. Workers' compensation and personal injury attorneys. Working hard for hard-working Western New Yorkers. By Roy's Plumbing. Just call Roy's today. We'll take the worry away. And by Town Ford. When you think Ford... Think of town Ford. Now, with head coach Don Granado, here's Jeremy White and Joe DiBiase. Waiting on head coach Don Granado, the Buffalo Sabres. They'll play tonight against the Kings. Get you some uh, news and all that on the Sabres. They are currently sitting uh, 12 points out of a playoff spot, and they'll play the Kings tonight as this uh, little mini homestand continues. The final playoff spot held by the Red Wings right now, who have 60 points, and the Sabres have 48 points with uh, just 21 games remaining. Sabres are six six points out of last in the East and 12 points out of the playoff spot. They lost their last game, and uh, the head coach talked a lot about urgency and need to get more urgency. The biggest thing to watch right now for the Sabres also is what to do with Casey Middlestad. And, you know, if they move him, there have been reports they're taking calls on him. Middlestad had said that uh, there had not been any sort of chatter yet between the two sides about a contract extension which is not that surprising I suppose you know as we talk about all of the prospects and picks the Sabres have puts them in a unique spot when talking about this this organization and what to do any other organization could trade a player like this for a first round pick and a prospect and it would seem like a good idea if they could get that price this organization unless they're going to start Spinning and picks and prospects for actual players. We, we've actually reached a spot of prospect fatigue and pick fatigue. We've gone through multiple drafts, drafting first and second, and lots of eighths. And this year looks like it might be in the neighborhood of a top eight pick, top five pick maybe even. And pick and prospect fatigue is a real thing because, yeah, the idea of adding another piece is... Not exactly (laughs) exciting. There was a report I saw from Elliott Friedman that the Sabres are, in fact, looking to get better now. They want help now, which now might not necessarily save their season this year, but to bring somebody in in a hockey trade, something like that, that could help them get better now. That could be a, a person you see on the ice right away. brings a different element to their game, whatever it might be. Yeah, the idea of getting better now, I think that would be welcomed. Not exactly like, you know, you add Eric Robinson from the Blue Jackets for a conditional seventh, someone to help now, but a real asset that that's just tough to find. And I'm not sure what the hockey trade is where here, you're a contender that's gonna take middle stat and I'll take this other player from you. And if you're a contending team, you don't really want to give that up, right? And if you're not a contending team, maybe that's the answer. You go you call Columbus and you swap two players because you both want to, finger quotes, get better now. But in the case of Middlestad, I mean, he's an RFA, so whoever does bring him in is going to have to do a contract or kind of figure out where they stand with that. It's um, it's just not a good spot necessarily to be in. And the Sabres are kind of in a corner here on what to do with Middlestad because paying him would block a lot of these prospects. And he's a good player, there's no doubt about that. But you already have Cousins, you already have Thompson locked into deals, you're talking Quinn and Paterka coming up down the line. They're probably going to want to commit to, to them, whether it's Kulik, avoid. There's also a report that teams have called on Yuri Kulik in, in Rochester, and the Sabres have said no, like not necessarily untouchable, but that's a player that they have been patient on and are still waiting on. So we'll see. It, it's just, it's a tough time. They're in a tough spot. There's no doubt about that. I think the head coach kind of gave that to us in postgame. About urgency. Kyle Poso said the same similar things like uh, urgency's not there. The last run for them, they've been getting very good goaltending from Ukapeka Lukanin, and their shot numbers are, are decent, but expected goals is not very high. Power play has been sinking this team all year long. Expected goals and quality of scoring chance just it's not really there. It's not really a style right now they're playing that has been too good and it's tough. I went to the game on Saturday, packed house, and it was, uh, you know, another example of a team getting out in front of them, and you hope they can come back. They scored one goal, and they didn't even put it in the net themselves. It's just – it's it's tough. I know the, the support from a lot of fans is still there to want to go to games, want to support the franchise, support the team, but it's tough to say. Like, is it rock bottom for fans – I don't think it's rock bottom for the team. They still have a lot of assets, still a lot of pieces. They they have things they can use. They're just not getting the results that they really needed this year. And this was a year where Kevin Adams said their Stanley Cup window opened and they were trying to make the playoffs. And right now it looks like they will not come close. Who knows if they get to 80 points a year after getting up over 90. So they're in tough a bit right now. And have a chance to try and finish strong and put some good things together, find the answers to some of their problems and we'll see what happens at the deadline, which is less than a month away and middlestat will be the uh the big name to watch of course so with that, we'll get to Sabres head coach Don Granado to talk about all this don good morning good morning jeremy well I, I just could kind of laid out before we brought you on that um things like things seem kind of tough right now your 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 tone after Saturday, talking urgency for this team and for this group, um not, probably not a conversation you want to have about a lack of urgency from from your group.
1: Yeah, and in particular, just particularly the other night, we we I think the the shot attempts we favored us. It was forty to twenty after two periods, and, and so through two periods, you know that was the number. But were we getting to the net? Was there enough grit to the net? Um, Determination around the net, uh, you know those sorts of things. So it's, 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 it's you're, you're close, but close is not good enough. And and it's, um, you know, that's the frustrating, that's the frustration. It's, it's right there. It's just, uh, you know, the the final finality of seizing that. Um, so it's 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 not been awful by any means, other than the result itself, which. Um, which we obviously you know you, you don't want to lose a hockey game but um you know that process is 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 right right there for you it's it's 80 percent good in that situation and you're not finishing it
0: when you Don when you say like you know the the, the shot numbers are up but guys aren't going to the net how, how do you drive home that message do you feel like that the numbers in terms of shot attempts are high but the quality might not be high because Players are, are are settling, and in that spot, like I, I wonder how difficult it is for a player because a lot of times you're going to preach pucks to the net, and firing it from distance is one way to get pucks to the net. But you you obviously want to make sure that there's there's somebody else there, <laughs> somebody's got to go to the net for the puck that you send to the net.
1: It's it's if you look at the other day, we did have guys around the net in front, and I don't think the timing was was there. Um, it, it is a challenge. It is. Uh, you know, you have to. You, you it, there, it goes low to high to the, to the defenseman at the point. There is a timing uh, to it um, when that shot. You know, he's contending with a guy that's trying to block the shot. He might have to shoot. You know, even some cases you're shooting a little bit wider than net, waiting for a redirect to the net. Um, so it's it's collective reads uh, that I think can be can be improved on or could have been um, a little better in the game better in the game the other day. Um, I don't think it's in, um, you know, we had willingness, but in, in spurts, I would say, not the consistency. So it wasn't an all-out epidemic, uh, epidemic of not going to the net. We, we had guys there. Um, the, the, again, the trick is the perimeter, if you look at events, you know, analytic events before goals, uh, there is a lot of perimeter play. So there's a need for that if you're going to score goals. It's just getting off the perimeter at the right time to the front of the net at the right time uh, in numbers, in layers, and uh, you know when we're on our game, that 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 happens. When anybody's on their game, that's what's happening. And um, you know we weren't there the other night, obviously, uh, and uh, didn't score enough. And you know the, the Dallas game, you know where we had forty some shots. I mean, you look at the number of point blank shots we did have. Uh, you know those those outright should have been enough uh, w- with the guys we had shooting and in, in, you know um, dead in the middle of the rink, but. Yeah, it's it's it is frustrating. It's um, um, and, and you know all you do is uh, you, you keep demanding and keep pushing, and uh, at the end, um, you got to make sure it makes your guys better and they gain the experience of it.
0: Sabres head coach Don Granado here on the Western Outline as we chat about uh, tonight's game and going forward. Don, on, on Saturday afternoon, it was on the power play. You, you you guys have had trouble on the power play all year. I want to ask you about a couple of plays that I hope they're they're not too specific, but I thought I saw something happen twice. Um, first period, Jeff Skinner kind of walks in and plays it back to the point. I, I think he's expecting Dylan Cousins to be there, and Cousins had come off the wall, and it clears the zone, kind of like a self-imposed clear. And then later on in the game, Middlestad kind of did the same thing where he played it back to the point, but there's nobody there, almost like he's looking for someone. And I wonder if mm-hmm. you're, you're seeing this. Is there, a, is there a breakdown of communication on the power play where, where one player's expecting a player to be in a spot and that player's not there?
1: yeah I, I think in those instances uh jeremy both players with the puck uh probably had some regret to 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 moving it okay. you know in that in that direction um you know we've been guilty of, of looking for a better play when we have a a, a a you know when we're in a position to maybe attack the net directly uh and converge i mean you know the, those those guys you mentioned can't you know Others should converge when they're when they're attacking the net. But I think on those plays, you know, I think both players would probably tell you, um, you know, they they, they regretted uh, doing it because they had a little bit, they they were not under the pressure that maybe they they felt uh, in the moment.
0: So when it comes to the power play, what answers? What what's next? What's the next stage? It's it's been something that's been. I mean, I want, I want to say—kind of sinking your your chances for quite a bit. Five-on-five five play. Some of the numbers on, you know, shot attempts and uh, expected goals are respectable and good and in in the middle. But the power play has been a consistent issue.
1: It has been. Um, you're, you're you're absolutely right, and and it is. There's still been chances generated on it, as you saw. I mean, Paterka had an unbelievable chance. Um, you know, there there were others. There, we had multiple chances generated, uh, but again. It, it, it goes hand in hand with your, your, your I, I think with your psyche, your mentality with feeling good, you know, um, there, there's a, um, a rhythm and a momentum to it. Um, you know, when a goal scores and, and, you know, that's what you've got a group of goal scorers typically on your power play start feeling good. Uh, they're shooting with a little bit more, uh, calm or confidence in their game. And I think, I think for us, we're, we're still pressing in that regard. Um, you know, trying to score the perfect goal uh, and place it in a you know a three inch by three inch spot instead of just you know trusting that you've you've trained long enough and hard enough that y- your instincts will pick that spot for you. Just grab it and, and, and rip it. Um, so I think that's that's a big big part of it. Um, a couple personnel changes, I thought, um the addition to Greenway on there for, for a net front presence and um, you know I on the other unit for for the same reason uh has opened up more space and now it's um you know realizing and taking advantage of that space like you mentioned the two where we, we could have taken it to the net uh taking it to the net more in those situations um so there's still uh you know with with personnel changes um uh you know still still a, a bit of an evolution that you're trying to speed up
0: Sabres said coach don granada what's the latest on owen power we know he went off for imaging
1: He's going to be out today for certain in uh, probably the next few games, unfortunately. Um, I, I haven't talked to medical this morning on it. Um, did get, obviously, the reports yesterday through the day. Um, but it, it's going to be, uh, you know, not not long-term, um, uh, but probably uh, at least a week um, and maybe a couple. Uh, but I'll confirm that later today.
0: How have you thought he's played this year for you, Power, in his is as he you know continues his career signed a big extension you know more is expected of him because of that but he's still a very young player how have you liked power's game for the most part
1: well he's he's obviously a little bit like our our team he struggled at times um but you see the the underlying talent and um you know i think he's given us some really really good moments really really good games um and like every player, you're
0: you're you're
1: wanting that to be more consistent. Um, but you know, certainly not. Uh, he has not been a, a you know a, a disappointment. He's still one heck of a hockey player, uh, even when he is challenged. So um, still still contributing lots of positive, is is how I would say, uh, and growing at the same time, growing his game.
0: Don, how do you approach the trade deadline as a coach? You've got players that might be wondering if they're on the move. Some veterans. I mean, Eric Johnson's name's going to be out there. I've seen reports of Gjergjons and Oposo's name even out there in Middlestadt as well. You know, you've got you've got a good number of players that could be thinking about that. Do Do you have conversations with any player whose name comes up? Or do they come to you about that?
1: Uh, you know, you, you do. I guess intermittently. There's no There's no plan and you know uh, uh, playbook on it you talk to the guys all the time we're talking our you know those all our guys every day uh and you're talking to them about you know what what the what you see and don't see and need to need to uh, uh what what you see maybe they don't see and and how to get ready for the next game um, you're always demanding of each guy as a coach uh, so in that process you're communicating with each guy and, and these are things that. You know they have things on their mind. they're they're usually discussed in those instances. So um, you know as, as life things uh, per se. and And so uh, that constant communication is is essential, obviously, um, and when they come up, they come up and talk
0: about it. How about your communication with the general manager Kevin Adams this time of year about the deadline and and the direction of the team? I mean, it feels like, the deadline is sometimes overblown, but it's, you know, that day represents the last chance you get to kind of change your franchise or, or move it in certain directions until the summer. How much will you and Kevin Adams be talking about where this team needs to go, given the deadline?
1: Yeah, we, you know, that's a topic we talk about every day, really, uh, you know, where we're at uh, yeah, you know, in the context of our franchise uh, movement growth, where where we are in the context of the league, um, and and everyone else, a competitive environment there, and um, you know, our, our all our personnel um, identity, those sorts of things. So we're we're constantly communicating on that um, every day, and that 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 won't change um, even you know, way before the deadline, when the deadline approaches, after the deadline. That, th- those things uh, happen all the day. And then, obviously, Kevin talks to general managers. He's mentioned every single day he's talking to general managers and getting the context of, you know, whatever it may be, the trade market or, or, or what's going on to see if it fits, uh, you know, at any direction we may be thinking. Of.
0: And, Don, before we let you go, I want to ask you about, you know, just there have been some reports that, there's a desire to get better now. I mean, you know, the playoffs might be a big hill to climb, but the season's not over. Uh, Are you interested in help now, in addition to, of course, building the way that you might want to as an organization? Is there a desire to get help now?
1: Uh, You know, I hate hate saying help by any means and using that word. So you say that, it's like, you know, I think you're always looking to get better. So, um, you know, I know that's the case. You know we are uh, looking to you know for ways to get better, and that means um, you know any any move is it making us better? Is it moving? Is it going to move us in the direction you know faster the, the way we want to go? So um, I, I hope that answers your question, but it's, it's more of how we process it.
0: Sabers and Kings tonight from uh, KeyBank Center. Don, thanks for the time, and uh, best of luck this week. Okay. Thank you, Jeremy. Appreciate it. Sabre said Coach Don Granado, brought to you by Firth Jewelers. For all the moments in your life, go forth to Firth by Lossie and Ganji, workers' compensation and personal injury attorneys, working hard for hardworking Western New Yorkers. By Town Ford, when you think of Ford, think of Town Ford. And by Roy's Plumbing, just call Roy's today. We'll take the worry away. 8030 550 1 550 2550. A little bit of a debate raging on uh, the old. Twitter about Gabe Davis. Maybe not much of a debate, but a good conversation about what we're about to step into. We'll tackle some of that. Get some thoughts on the Sabres, too, going forward. we got Paul Hamilton coming up at 9 to uh, preview tonight's game. We've got to preview the hot dog. There's, there's a hot dog. It's the year of the hot dogs. Josh, what if I told you I met my super-secret hot dog source? We've had somebody sending us the hot dog of the game hours before doors open each and every game. I uh, I met the hot dog source that is incredible i mean that is a <laughs> he's he's a hero in disguise that's yes, right and he's not the person we deserve but he's the person we need in this year of the hot dog you know you think, that how, that how that's how the superhero sayings it, go right yeah like, not the not hero of th- the city deserves but the hero of the city needs yes that's something something like that something like that yeah you'd think like someone in my position like oh you must have a lot of connections It's gets right people send me the hot dog of the day ahead of time that's that's the kind of pull I've got around here. 8030550 an LA dog tonight. Likely a like like a street style dog. Well we'll see. On Gabe Davis when we get back. I got a question about it. Someone wrote to me, you know, how are we going to feel? And I, I I think I'm firmly in a spot on how I feel about it going forward. With due respect to the player, to the plan, we'll get to that. Because that's going to be the first domino. Before the receiver train goes anywhere, one train is likely to leave. The Davis train. He's had a good run. We'll talk about that, get some calls. Give your thoughts on that. How are you going to feel about Davis leaving? Which I think is a big, big favorite to happen. 803-0550 to join us on WGR.
1: What struck out to me watching him was just the utter lack of hesitation Mm -hmm. as the pass rush collapsed upon him. And that's really been the case with Patrick Mahomes, right? His entire career when it comes to running. It's that situational awareness. Look, we live in a moment where there's some of the greatest dual-threat quarterbacks ever, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson. But I would argue on a down-to-down basis, Patrick Mahomes is as impactful a scrambler as any quarterback in the NFL, and it's why they won the football game.
0: Mina Kimes of ESPN, that is correct on impact as a scrambler. Allen and Mahomes are the two best. The two best at turning pressure into not a sack. They are the two best. The sack percentage, the stats went out at the end of the season, saw the number that the five best quarterbacks at not getting sacked are Allen, Mahomes, Tua, uh, they're all McVay system guys. Maybe Purdy. It was all the the the, the McVeigh Shanahan offense and Allen and Mahomes. And it's because Allen and Mahomes are the two best at evading pressure, evading sacks. So while Mahomes is not thought of as the running quarterback that some of the others are, um, in terms of evading pressure, he's as good as it gets. He and Allen are the two best. 8030550. Speaking of the Chiefs, Jeremy White with you, Joe took off. He'll be back in tomorrow. Josh Schmidt producing. Speaking of the Chiefs, I've got a question via Twitter and I, I like this question it's uh, it does. It feels like the first big domino to fall for the Bills, and the first big clear move to something else that we will see from them. We know Hyde and Poyer are are gone. We know that's going to happen probably, right? Like Hyde doesn't have a contract. Jordan Poyer, th- that that tandem is going to be broken up. We we fully expect that. They've got free agents, and Poyer is under contract. They could. Save money if they cut him. We'll see what the change happens at safety. But the really big one is going to be Gabe Davis. And Charles tweeted in earlier, about a half hour ago, regardless of where he goes, if Davis has a blockbuster year with a new team, what does that say about his use in Buffalo, negligent or incompetent? And my reply to that was and is this. I I cannot picture a scenario where Davis goes somewhere else and has a great year, and we are saying the Bills are incompetent in any way. What would the Bills' incompetence be? He's been on the field as much as any receiver in this offense. He plays all the time. And Josh Allen loves him. And he has gone games without a target. While Stefan Diggs and Dalton Kincaid are on the field. You've got guys that are very good at their job. And Davis is a Nice player. Anytime we talk about this, I make I make a point to say, like, I do not think Davis is terrible. And even throughout this season, as we went through November, December, it was, I think they're going to need Gabe Davis if they're going to be at their best. And when he got hurt, to me, that was, you know, sometimes the offense looks like it still works, but you want your full stable of weapons. So Davis leaving for Trent Sherfield was a problem. And Davis has value and he'll hit the market and I don't care where he goes, I will not, I have a tough time believing I will get to any sort of regret because what the Bills need to do, the best scenario for the Bills is forget about the first round receiver. The first round receiver is going to hopefully take them to a place that they haven't been in a while, which is they have two studs. In an ideal world, they draft a fourth round receiver and they get Gabe Davis. That's the game. Gabe Davis for the Bills has been a tremendous draft pick, a great pick who came in as a rookie and started contributing right away. Cheap. Those contracts are so cheap, it's not even funny to get a receiver that can give you what Gabriel Davis did as a rookie. And in his next four years, it is nuts. His cap hit in his rookie year was $780,000. His cap hit last year was 2.9. In 4 full seasons, you paid him 4 million dollars. A fourth-round receiver to do that for you is jackpot jackpot. Gabe Davis made 4 million dollars as a receiver on this team. Total. What you can't do is pay him 11 for 1 year or 30 for 3 years. It just doesn't make sense. The Bills need to do, at receiver, of course, what they've done at defensive end, which is say, like, that's a really expensive position, right? They go out and they hire, they, they, they get Leonard Floyd as a hired gun for $9 million, and Mario Addison. It's expensive to get defensive ends to come in. It's also expensive to get wide receivers. Every receiver idea you're going to see that you might like is, well, what about uh, Marquise Brown? track's market value is like $14 million. Well, Michael Pittman, $22 million. T. Higgins, $19 million. Like These are big numbers. It's also the case to draft a wide receiver. For some of these teams, you're going to see this coming up. You're going to see that the Georgia tight end coming up, Brock Bowers, is a great prospect, next awesome tight end prospect. If you're just doing the numbers of it, if you draft Brock Bowers, by the time you get to his 50-year option, you are not saving much money. You are paying him like one of the best tight ends in football positions that have lower franchise tags. What that means is you get less value out of the draft wide receiver quarterback. These have massive franchise tags, massive numbers to get a middle of the road receiver. You're paying decent money. And to draft one is to just score majorly. When you, when the, uh, when the prescription is, We got to find some cheap labor and some cap savings. You draft defensive line and receiver and quarterback. Like that's that's a place to save money. So Davis goes to the Chiefs and puts up ten touchdowns. I I don't I don't care. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna think about it. The only way that the, the Bills could look bad in all this is if they slow play receiver again. They go bargain bin on receiver and don't draft it. And sign, you know, your Sherfields and your Hardy's again. It's not their fault. They are like one and four million dollar receivers. And that's that's where you had to hunt for a while if you're not going to draft one. Think about that. Like think about the value you got on Gabe Davis's contract, which for four years since being a rookie, the Bills paid him four million dollars. And Deontay Hardy got four million dollars last year. Free agent receiver that you're going to try, $4 million. Jackpot hit in the fourth round, $4 million. And in a wide receiver class that is loaded, this is where the the math of it all lines up to draft one in the first and draft one in the third or the fourth. The Bills should definitely be in the market for two, and it'll not only help a room that needs bodies in it, it will drastically help their cap to get this position boosted, bolstered, for cheap money. And Davis, I just, I don't expect him to turn into a number one receiver. I expect him to go somewhere, get paid, as he should, to be a role player, to be a guy, get some touchdowns, put up 1,000-yard seasons. Okay, I don't care. If he goes and plays with C.J. Stroud, and plays across from Nico Collins, who they have on a cheap deal, and Tank Dell, who they have on a cheap deal. Like I would expect him to have a nice, nice career. And I'm not going to sit here and watch his touchdowns and think, oh, no, what might have been. Not going to do it. Not, Not in the same situation. Let, let's say it's the Texans. The Texans have a rookie quarterback contract. They've got all this room. Let's say it's the Bears. Let's say it's the Commanders. Okay? Not worried about it. Not thinking about it. The Bills have to live in a different wide receiver universe where – you can't pay big money for a role player. You have to either pay big money for an elite guy, which the Bills are doing with Diggs, even though people are kind of down on Diggs right now. They paid a first-round draft pick to get a guy in his prime, and then they paid him. And that's good money spent because you get one of the best. You're paying a lot for it, but you're getting it. And next step for the Bills is to draft a 1-2 that can maybe develop into that, and somebody else that's just going to be cheap. And look at let's look at I uh, mean let me pull up Garrett Wilson's contract for you because he's a highly drafted first round receiver. And how much money is Garrett Wilson making? Garrett Wilson took one year to be what? The best in considered the best rookie receiver in football? His cap hit last year was four point six. Deontay Hardy was four point five. Garrett Wilson, the same amount of cap hit as Deontay Hardy. Look at the difference between drafting a receiver and signing a receiver. There is unbelievable value in drafting one. It is one of the most expensive positions. It's not just that it's fun to talk about, it's sexy, we like to train horn for the wide receiver train. It is good business. And for the Bills, they love Davis. And it was just not good business to bring him back. Even if you're signing him for $8 million, that is a big number. When you could try to duplicate what he can do from a rookie, and pay half of that one year total over four years, so I'm not thinking about it. if you think this is a a Jordan Poyer scenario where Poyer went out and tested the market and came back and signed for cheap that could happen I that number has to be so low for me to make sense It has to be the hardy number it has to be four million and for Davis to go out and come back for that I mean that seems really low for guy again Trek puts his value in the neighborhood of about ten so it's not. It's not to trash Davis. It's not to say he's no good. I think he is good. He'll be useful somewhere. But the Bills' cap situation, it does not line up. The math. The math doesn't make. You can't make the math work to pay Davis. So, you know, will I regret it? No. Not. I, I can't envision a scenario where the Bills regret letting Davis walk if he's making ten million dollars a year. Just keep drafting receivers until you get his replacement. You can aim higher. And you wouldn't even be in trouble if you drafted the exact same guy. I would take it 100 times out of 100 with a fourth-round pick that costs you $4 million putting up those kind of numbers in a passing offense with Josh Allen and somebody else carrying the load. like That's a jackpot. So get a time machine, go back, and draft Gabriel Davis out of UCF. That's a win. But you just can't sign him. So I don't care if it's the Chiefs, it's the Bengals. There's no place you can tell me he signs, I'd be scared. The Jets, the Patriots, the Dolphin. Don't I'm not going to worry about it. It's just the nature of it. Eight oh three oh five fifty. Ben and Amherst. Hey Ben. Morning. Morning. Good. I feel like we've been kind of having a variation of the same conversation for five years now, and um, I, I mean, I agree. Draft a receiver in, in one or two. I, I think obviously it helps, um, but this conversation's so omnidimensional. It's. And I feel like no matter
1: what we do, no matter who we draft, no matter who we trade for, no matter who we sign, no matter
0: who we bring on to the coaching staff, I just feel like we're never going to get past Reed and Mahomes. And that's just kind of where I'm at. I mean, this is great to talk about. Yeah, You know, during the off season as we ramp up, but at the end of the day, I don't think any of it's really going to matter. <laughs> uh, I, it's a tough spot to be in, Ben. I, I They're fresh off another win. I get it. They've made the plays. The Bills haven't, I know. But, I mean, the Bills are not going to give up. Nobody's going to give up. I saw Mike Florio today suggesting Kyle Shanahan might need a fresh start soon. Like, he, the, the, the Niners should give up on Kyle Shanahan? It's pro sports. It's competition. Somebody's in your way. Sorry. If the Bills are going to give up, that's – I mean, they're not. They're not going to give up. Josh Allen's not going to give up. I don't know. If you feel that way, I, 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 there's nothing I can do for you. I'm not saying it's irrational. It's it's a reality. These guys are in your way, and they're not going anywhere. 803-0550-1888, 550-2550 to join us. Get a call in on the other side as well. <laughs> They've been lucky and good, but also lucky and good. Do you know that Patrick Mahomes has the Super Bowl record for fumble recoveries now? That's right. Why does he have everything? Patrick Mahomes has the Super Bowl record for fumble recoveries. That means he's not secure with the ball. <laughs> well, you're playing a lot of Super Bowls. That's, that's, that's going to be something that happens. We'll get a break in eight hundred three hundred five fifty. If you're on hold, stick with us. On Davis, the first big domino, wherever that ends up. It'll be juicy to talk about, but regret? I just don't see it. I don't see it in our future. Eight zero three zero five fifty to join us. Jeremy and Joe. Joe took off. He's back tomorrow here on WGR. Happy birthday, Peter Gabriel. Saw him at KeyBank Center a little bit ago. Good time. Hey, good morning, Jeremy and Joe. Joe's out today, or he left. He was here. He'll be back tomorrow. Paul Hamilton's coming up in a minute. I just saw something that I love. Thank you, Kevin Cole. Kevin Cole, formerly of Pro Football Focus and of the uh, Expected Points podcast. You know, you should never, ever let it be lost on you that the winners get to tell the story. Because the Chiefs and the Niners and these one-off games and how they completely build castles of... Whatever. My metaphor is falling apart. Anyway, here's what he has. Fourth downs, going for it, being aggressive, this and that, right? Really important. Got to be, got to be, it's important to be smart. Kevin Cole tweeting out that Andy Reid chose to kick field goals or punt four times in regulation and cost the Chiefs an estimated 10% win probability. Still got to overtime in one largely because one of those led directly to a muffed return. Another was a record-breaking field goal that went right through the arms of defenders. On a long kick and on the muffed punt, wrong decisions by the numbers. Outcome came through for them. They win. If you're Kyle Shanahan, you're the guy at the blackjack table. I mean, he's not exactly one to play it right either. So, But Andy Reid and the Chiefs, sometimes they're sitting at that table hitting on 19 and winning. And everyone's like, look at the, look at them. They know how to win. 10% win probability cost. Still won in overtime. Good for them. 803-0550, 550 2550 to join us. We'll get to Paul Hamilton. We've got a Sabres game tonight against the Kings. Owen Power likely to miss some time. Don Granato told us that. Uh, got to miss about a week at least. They're going to get more of an update on how that's going to go. But um, he's got an injury that will keep him out for some time. So no Owen Power for a bit. For the Sabres. Uka, Pekka, Luka, and expected to start again. Sabres and Kings tonight at KeyBank Center. You can give us a call. eight zero three zero five fifty. 550 Check in with Paul Hamilton. Take your calls. I want to talk about Tiger's new Tiger Woods. His new golf gear. I'm going to talk about that. Have you seen it, Josh? Eh, I don't like it that much. It's, I don't know. It's I'll say up it. in the air. I'll say it. It's not good at all. It's bad. It's really bad. We'll get to that a little more. People don't want to hear that. Tiger can do anything he wants, and people are going to buy the gear. He revolutionized the golf fashion. I get it. The new gear. Mm-mm. Whiff. But that's okay. Eight oh three oh five fifty. 550 You can give us a call if you want. Have a take. You know, all that good stuff. Jeremy and Joe and Paul Hamilton coming up here on WGR.